0: The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at slayrx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRX for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor.
1: My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a mom to three girls, and I'm a CPA.
2: And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina the father to three college students, and the husband to a beautiful wife.
0: And a five-time finisher of the Blue Ridge
2: Relay. (laughs) And a five-time finisher of the Blue Ridge Relay who is in recovery. (laughs) (laughs) As
0: am I, as am I. Uh, And so, of course, we're going to spend a little bit of time today talking about uh, recapping the Blue Ridge Relays, the highs, the lows, how it went, picking up where we left off in our preview, of course, and just seeing whether some of the fears we had were realized or some of the expectations we had, uh, did in fact come true. So, uh, looking forward to talking about that. I know Michelle is looking forward to talking about that because this means that maybe it will be the last time we talk about it for a week or two, but, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, Michelle, how you been?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Um, oh. feeling the benefit of owning my own business with day before corporate tax deadline and i'm podcasting in the middle of the day so feeling pretty good about life's decisions some of them at least right now
0: <laughs> high echelon for the win right on <laughs> very good very good eric how you feeling man have you run since uh, since last saturday
2: i wish people could see my face right now <laughs> <laughs> no uh, no i've uh i've vowed to take a full week off, which is pretty big deal for me. That's not something I usually do, but I think, you know, the big, so recovery is obviously the big thing, but the second thing is just sort of resetting. Mm -hmm. I mentioned to Michelle earlier in the week that things really got hectic uh, leading up to blue Ridge relay. And I need a a time period where I can reset my like schedule, just like my daily schedule, my weekly schedule with work and family you know, fall season, fall soccer season starting up. So I'm, I've got, you know, games we're going to go to to watch Vizumzi play. And then uh, the Zwift Racing League is kicking off. So I've got to fit that into my schedule. And then just like the normal schedule, kind of figure out how my running is going to fit into all that. Mm-hmm. And then the bigger picture resetting, you know, figuring out, okay, um, end of October, I'll be running the Delirium 24 with uh, a right. friend of the podcast, Blue Ridge Relay member, brother. Uh, Brett Wellborn so then kind of resetting into figuring out that schedule how I can prepare myself best for that by um, following some tidbits I picked up from Killian Journey. you know hey stuff like that. <laughs> right on
0: yeah Killian Journey published a document earlier this week in which he laid out a lot of his training it felt very much like an attempt to do what Niles Vanderpol had done, uh, several months ago. And Eric and I, you'll recall, actually spent an entire podcast talking about Niles Vanderpol's, uh, training document and the description of what he did. Um, we're going to, we're going to take a closer read and pick that apart a little bit and talk about it more next week on the podcast. Um, and so looking forward to talking about Killian stuff, but it was actually, there there were some interesting aspects of it, but, but one of the things Eric you said is that it's a little bit more complex. Um, uh, whereas Niles Vanderpol's training was interesting and different, but it was fairly straightforward. Um, whereas Killian's is, seems to be a little bit more complex and there, there's a little bit more to dig into. So we'll look forward to talking about more, more about that the, next week.
1: The language barrier made Killian's hard. Also there, yeah. there were some sentences that I was rereading like twice. Like
0: yeah. he
1: talks about, you know, living at altitude up until age 20, but the way that he wrote it, I couldn't figure out if he meant. He lived there from zero to 20 and hasn't lived there since or he lived at sea level until he was 20 and has been at altitude since. I mean, and he clarifies that, but there's lots of stuff in there like that that made it harder to get through. So Sure. Sure.
0: Which is which is understandable. Um, he wrote a far better document in English than I would write in French. Um, True. So, so, <laughs> yes, yeah, for name. sure. For sure. Michelle, have you been enjoying the cooler weather this week?
1: Just a little. We had this one amazing day of what I call <laughs> fake fall. It was 57 <laughs> degrees yesterday morning. It was already like 61 today, so it still felt a little bit crisp. But man, once it's 59 and below, it's really just a different feel. Uh, so yeah, I'm coming off. Um, I got sick in Hilton Head. I thought it was strep throat. I started amoxicillin, and really after five days, was really much more sick. So I'm coming off of a upper respiratory infection, ear infection. So I took really took me out for a week. So I was only outside for about 30 minutes, but um, it was great. It was not worth missing. <laughs> so yeah. felt pretty good. Um, and now we just kind of have to sit around and wait for real fall to kick in. It's at least another month, I'm sure. So.
0: I feel like it's definitely cooler, though. I mean, you know, it was low 60s first thing this morning. I I haven't gotten to take advantage of of those temperatures here in Atlanta um, because my wife's been out of town and and my sons are still too little for me to go out running and leave them in the house by themselves before school, um, which is a little bit of a bummer. Um, But combine that, of course, with being in, in sort of quick recovery mode here post Blue Ridge Relay, it's okay. Um, I definitely got to have some sub 60 temperatures in the Blue Ridge Relay. So that's good. So so I have had my taste of fall here that will hopefully sustain me until after the London Marathon on October 2nd. So
1: yeah, Yeah. I tried to explain to my kids that I'm only really happy when the way that it felt yesterday morning is the way that it feels when they're walking home from school. So the mornings are a little bit colder (laughs) and the day tops out at like that 57, 59 degrees. But right now, you know, moving from like the low 70s to the high 50s, even if it was just one morning was enough to uh, breathe kind of some fresh energy into me.
0: Very good. Very good. It's kind of obnoxious that the highs in the afternoon are still like 86 and 87. Yeah. Um, So after we finish this podcast, I'm gonna have to check the temperature and potentially go out for a run in 81, 82 degrees. (laughs) um, Despite the fact that it was 20 degrees lower than that this morning, I didn't get to take advantage, but we'll see. We'll see, um, Michelle. You have you have modified your Strava lately? I
1: have. I I have mixed feelings about the reaction to and coverage surrounding um, the Eliza Fletcher, you know, kidnapping slash murder. But one thing I saw a lot of people do, um, or you know, I heated a lot of warnings about Strava data and um, the map feature. I guess I was, I seem to run around at four o'clock in the morning with maybe a false sense of security. I think I generally live that way. Um, I mean, I live in a county that's crime ridden, but our area is so insular that, you know, I would argue like most people don't really lock their doors at night. Um, And I have woken up many mornings like that and not, you know, it hasn't phased me, but the Strava stuff really got me thinking about not only can people see exactly where I start and finish from, you know, but it wouldn't be so hard to figure out that I leave behind like a sleeping family. (laughs) Um, So, whereas before I was like, oh, I don't need the privacy stuff or whatever. This really uh, got me thinking about the safety of everybody else that I love, maybe not just myself. So yeah, I took away, I mean, not that I have so many followers anyway, or that I'm so active, but I took away the map. Feature. I thought I had kind of limited it within a radius, but looking back, I think the whole map is gone. Um I also enable the Garmin tracker. Like as soon as I start my watch, it sends an email to like two people. Don't worry, George. You're lucky. I was gonna not. say, I'm
0: not one of them.
1: <laughs> I know you would have been the third. I thought two was enough. <laughs> um, so every time I go out for I'm, run, I'm I'm
0: honored to have been part of the consideration <laughs> process.
1: Uh, <laughs> you know, so people know, you know, they're getting an email, they're asleep, but they can see the route. And if something were to happen, it were to cut off. I mean, God forbid, I'd like to think if something happened to me, I would have that one second to stop my watch. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, But you know, all these other things about like, hide your phone and use the emergency feature on your phone. I mean, in my mind, I don't really think um, that at a moment, like what we saw on camera, you know, with, with Eliza being kidnapped. I just don't know that you really have time to get to your phone and send that SOS alert and stuff. So yeah, I've taken some pretty uh and maybe everybody, you know, every woman who runs alone. I don't know, maybe this is maybe I'm way far gone. I should have done this years ago, but I did it now. So um yeah.
0: I I I don't think you're way far gone and I don't think you should beat yourself up about it. I think that that you, like a lot of other women who run first thing in the morning uh, were really unsettled by, by that whole story and what you saw and what happened to her. Um, and, um, and, and so that made you rethink some of your own practices. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's probably a good thing. Um, it made me rethink some of mine. Um, and, and, um, ultimately I didn't make a whole lot of changes because I think that, that, that generally speaking, the way that I go about it, not on purpose, but just by, by chance is fairly safe. but, um, but, but I get it, I think that that's important and I think that's good and I'm glad that you did it. We didn't yeah. talk about Eliza Fletcher on here. For those who aren't aware, uh, by all means, look it up. We don't wanna rehash it entirely, but um, it was a, uh, a mother and kindergarten teacher in Memphis, Tennessee, who about a week and a half ago uh, went for a run at 4 a.m. Um, and, uh, and was targeted and ultimately kidnapped and, and murdered um, uh, by a man uh, there in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and so we were certainly sorry to see that happen. Um, worse, there was a lot of kind of internet cesspool responses uh, around how, uh, you know, she deserved it because she wasn't at home with her kids and, and all sorts of other things like that, which I don't really think we need to dignify any of those. But um, when something like that happens, um, I think that that it's perfectly natural and normal and, and even positive that you are looking at what it is you do and considering whether you should make some changes there. So I wish that as you're making changes on Strava, you would also institute a practice of naming your runs more often.
1: I named today's run, I think.
0: (gasps) (gasps) I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to have to log into Strava immediately following (laughs) this podcast recording and give you kudos. Um, It bums me out when I can't give you kudos, almost as much as it bums me out when (laughs) I can't give kudos to Grace Hall, because she likewise does not very often name her runs. Yeah, Um, But, you know. Um. Poor parent.
1: I'll just say in response to all the internet (laughs) ridiculousness, I'm unwilling to alter, you know, what I do when I do it. Uh, I'm not scared to go alone. Well, I should say like, I'm actually always scared, but it doesn't stop me. Literally, I can't think of one run where there's not a point where I haven't, something, you know, might've just freaked me for one second, or I'm thinking, oh, if something were to happen here, this is what I would do there. It's always in my mind, but... You know, doing nothing uh, felt like probably a good time to do something. Um, so I feel like the measures that I took with, you know, linking Garmin Connect to contacts and shutting down the maps on Strava were were enough to not give in to the Welsh. Why? What is she doing running alone? Why is she wearing a sports bra? Why isn't she home with her kids? Uh, I don't. Yeah. You know, that's a. I don't have much place for that in my yeah. life or those people. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's good. I agree with you. I think the stuff that you did is not giving into any of that. I think yeah. it's taking it's taking common sense safety measures uh, in case something deviant happens, but it's not actually giving in to people who, who uh, were victim blaming. And that's yeah. good. That's good. So as... Crass as it kind of feels to, to segue away from that into talking more about ourselves and the fun that we had this past weekend. That's actually exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, so the Blue Ridge Relay, as everyone who listens to this podcast certainly knows by now. Uh, was this past weekend and Eric and I of course met up with uh, our teammates uh, Dave and Brian and Lee and Brett all of whom were uh, fraternity brothers of ours back in the mid-1990s at Georgia Tech Uh, we piled into a van and we headed to the start and ran about 200 miles more than 200 miles over the course of about 27 hours so Michelle I know you're dying to ask us about it. So what do you want to know, Michelle, get it all out of your system. You better ask us good questions so that we can tell you everything and you get that break that you want so badly. If you you leave uh, certain stuff out, we're going to feel compelled to mention it next week and the week after that, the week after that, and you're never going to get your break. Well, if you would stop
1: talking, I could get into it. (laughs) Okay. So I'll just a quick reminder. Um, two weeks ago, we had the, uh, director of the Blue Ridge Relay on the podcast. And last week, we sort of previewed it. Um, And Eric and George and four of their uh, college fraternity brothers ran it this past weekend. So just kind of summarize where we left off. George, you were feeling pretty good. You're, you know, four or five weeks out from the London Marathon, which is a a great race for you. And Eric, you... We're coming off of COVID, recovering from COVID, and then getting some horrible food poisoning where you lost 16 pounds. So um,
0: <laughs> let's talk That's about- That's a pretty stark contrast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I can't think of a, a stark contrast, but in order to you know mend the contrast, you guys met up with the other four guys in Asheville. Everybody drove um, you know, from George and Dave from here and you guys from all over got in the van and kind of drove from Asheville over to uh Grayson Highland State Park in Virginia so what was the what was the feeling like just you know when you guys got together and made that 200 mile trek from Asheville to where you'd be starting the race the next day
0: it was fun so 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 Dave picked me up from my workplace on the northeastern side of Atlanta and Brian had already flown into Atlanta David picked him up from the airport. And so it was the two of them together in the van. They picked me up. And then we drove and met everybody in Asheville. And then we spent the night in Boone. As soon as we got to Asheville, Eric and Lee and Brett were all there. Eric and Lee having come from Raleigh and Brett having come from Charleston. And Eric excitedly runs over to the van and immediately steps in a gigantic mud puddle.
2: Are you for real? Not, Not a puddle and not like a mud puddle, like a muddy water. It was like four inches deep and it was literally mud it was more this mud is, than water it was a fantastic pre-
1: a preview of what was to come
2: that was that yeah. was at,
0: yeah right not an not not an auspicious start i'm afraid for eric but but frankly oh. honestly that was truly one of the highlights of the weekend for me and i don't <laughs> know so why sad? like well, yeah it shoot, literally happened like much. in the first 6 seconds of of the entire weekend and it's not because the rest of the weekend sucked but because it was so funny um, that 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 Eric who's super excited to see us, runs over to the side of the van and steps in a puddle such that he actually has to change his shoes and leave one of his pairs of shoes in his car
2: in Asheville.
1: I don't know which I was totally okay this. with. What what pair of shoes suffered such a casualty?
2: They were those POS um cloud ultras that I oh. walk in. I don't <laughs> I don't run in those. It was actually a perfect shoe for that to happen because right. it really didn't it, it didn't like absorb the water immediately and I was able to to kind of shake them off and leave them in my car and not worry about it stinking up the car so
0: cool um
1: so <laughs> thanks
2: george <laughs> that's on
1: i guess that's on thursday and then you guys started friday morning did anything kind of out of the ordinary or unusual happen before you know you guys actually <laughs> took your picture at the start line and the race got going eric I you're think... laughing is there something no i, I think
2: it was it was this st- it was as standard as a as a time with the six of us together can be, Mm -hmm. we have this routine that we've kind of fallen into where we, we drive up to wherever we're going to stay and we go to the supermarket and then, or we get, we get something to eat. Sorry. We get something to eat. We go to the supermarket and then we go to the hotel room and get up in the morning, eat breakfast and get back in the van and go to this race start that sounds really boring i can tell you that my face hurt within about three minutes from all the laughing and just like the in in your face jokes that we've been telling each other sort of over text and stuff all year long um and it's it is it is the most like even that pre-run period is like the most fun i have year like all year long Mm -hmm. so it, it sounds like oh yeah we just do this this and this but um mm-hmm. Dinner. Where do we eat the flying, the peddling pig, the peddling, pig the peddling pig, the peddling pig barbecue place. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound
0: like the best pre-race meal, but same place house. we ate last year. Same place we ate yep. last year, and I really enjoyed it last year. And I was lobbying heavily for it this year, and we went again this year, and it was good. And then we went
2: to Ingles, right? Was it Ingles? Yep. Yep. And I'm pretty sure they looked at us and they went, "Oh shit, they're back."
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what what's on the list at Ingles?
0: Um, I uh, buy I buy diet Coke, I buy chocolate milk, um, and then I buy anything else that I might be taking with me that I don't normally have in my house. And so this time I bought Chex Mix. Um, wow. Because um, we don't generally keep Chex Mix in our house. Um, and so those are the three things that I bought. Chocolate milk and, and diet Coke are both key components of my hydration strategy um, that worked for me yet again this year. And then I eat a ton of Chex mix. I had an entire kind of large bag of Chex mix over the first half of the race. Um, and so so
2: I use that as kind of real simple fuel. Um, George, you've pushed me in the direction of the chocolate milk, and the only time I've ever used it is during the Blue Ridge relay, mm -hmm. but that is gonna become a staple. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was funny, this is the three of us bought chocolate milk all independently. (laughs) <laughs> and we get back to the cooler and we had all bought the exact same bottle of oh, chocolate yeah, milk. When, when, when you only buy
0: chocolate milk once a year, you buy the high end stuff, man. And that's yeah. exactly what we did. High-end yeah. Stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I drink probably over the course of the entire race. Um, I don't drink like a whole lot of chocolate milk. I drink a whole lot of Slayer X is what I drink a lot of. Um, and so over the course of the entire race, I probably had more than 200 ounces of Slayer X. Um, and I probably had closer to about uh, 50 ounces of, of chocolate milk, um, and then I drank I think seven or eight diet cokes um, over the course of the entire race. Do you so, feel like
1: you're substituting the slay RX and/or the chocolate milk for what could be solid food?
0: Yeah, probably. Um, and, and one thing I noticed this year, and I think this is probably always true is that I end up eating more solid food and I'm going to use the word, use some air quotes here when we talk about solid food, because I eat a couple of apples and some dates over the course of the 27 hours. Um, but we're talking about like Chex mix and Pringles really. Um, and so, I mean, you're hard pressed to call that stuff, real food, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I eat a lot of that over the course of the time. Um, uh, but I eat less of it as we go along. Um, I, eat, I eat less and less and less of those sorts of things as we get closer to, to the finish. Um, and it's not because I'm tired of them. Um, and it's not because I run out of it necessarily. It's because I'm just physically tired. Um, and going through the routine and being like, okay, gotta eat some again. Like the novelty of actually getting to eat Pringles wears off by the time that I get to the tail end of the race. Whereas, you know, I never eat Pringles
2: 364 other days of the year. And so I'm like, yes, Pringles," you know, <laughs> at, at the outset, Uh, there's a different, there's another piece to that too. You need less because you're not going to be able to use it. Right. Right. You get to the point where it's not useful to keep putting food in your body. Mm -hmm. You just need to, you know, the liquid calories maybe are going to get ingested and be useful. Otherwise Mm -hmm. you're just adding weight and, you know, you're putting something in your body that your body's going to have to put energy into, Mm -hmm. um, digesting. So it's almost like like the last 10 miles of an ultra like you're done putting food in your body you're in the last hour and a half you know hour so it's time to start backing out i think something that's interesting we, we talked about this a lot in the in the group chat about like how we were going to fuel and i had a couple of goals for this year and one of them was i realized that late in the race late in many races i get dehydrated And so one of my big goals was not to get dehydrated. And I drank uh, 48 ounces of liquid minimum between each leg. And that was about, I think that was the, that's what I needed. And this wasn't the hottest, you know, summertime blueberries relay we've done. I could, I probably could have drank more, but I I literally drank 48 ounces after each leg before the next leg and before the first leg too Mm -hmm. and then on top of that i would drink you know i had a bunch of small um mountain dews that's that's a big thing for me and then the the milk i drank i guess i was like a half gallon of milk over the course of the race but the the one thing that you know this is something i almost pride myself in I, i train myself in being able to eat real food when my body says you need to eat real food. And we had this conversation before the race about, hey, is anybody going to eat a real meal? And we pulled into the the pool, Michelle, where you met us. Yeah, I know the pool. Uh, we pulled into the pool. In blowing rock. And there was there was this high school in Blowing Rock selling pizzas at the pool. And I got out of the van and I looked over there and I went. I need pizza now. Like it was just like, (laughs) I need pizza now. And I kind of, I think I actually asked you guys, do you guys think it's a good idea? And everyone was really kind of nice about it. Like, well, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to have any pizza, but I went over there and I bought pizza and then Dave, our driver and runner, uh, he went over there and bought pizza and I probably ate four or five pieces of pizza over the next couple of hours. And Um, like I said, I kind of pride myself in being able to do that and run. I was a little worried given the, the, um, food poisoning issue I had and my stomach did not feel settled the whole race. It felt a little off the whole race, but I think that that's key for me. That's something that I've, I've learned is part of the, part of the process is I have to have a solid meal during the blue Ridge relay. Sure. Yeah, I think, I and, and I'm cool with that. I mean, one thing
0: that I said to all of y'all in our reflections afterwards is that I'm really adamant that everybody needs to have a routine. But after five years, I, I've come to the conclusion that not, my routine doesn't have to be the same as everybody else's routine. Like, right. like I, I do what works for me and I want y'all to do what works for you. Um, but I want you to actually have a plan and follow a plan and only abandon that plan if that plan is not working for you. right Right. um it's the sort of um the the thing that i think a lot of people i don't think people on our team do this but i think a lot of people go there and just kind of just like oh yeah i'm you know i'm running three times here over the course of 24 hours so i'm going to eat all this stuff and drink all these things and you see those people like puking on the side of the road um and so as long as you have like a solid plan and you're following that plan Deviate from that plan if need be, as you feel the need to. Um, but but as long as you're not just making it up as you go along, I don't have a problem with that. For me, like I I ended up at one point having a plain baked potato that we bought at the fire station somewhere around twenty. Um, and uh, but for me, like I, I I my wife talks about this. Left to my own devices, I would just sort of snack all day long and would never eat any square meals just cause that's just sort of the way I operate. Um, and, and when I'm in training, like they're healthy snacks, <laughs> but, but for me to, to finish a leg and have some kind of snacky type stuff and and to make sure I hydrate and then do the same thing and to do that continually for 27 hours in a row, I, that, that's not, that's not tough for me. That, that's something that, that I don't have any problem with. Um, yeah. I could, I, that's just sort of the way I live my life and what I'm inclined to do anyway.
1: Um, so speaking of different people and different routines, I was going to mention this, uh, even though Eric just texted a picture of a friend of the podcast Lee, but I saw his post that he kind of upped the ante with his Slayer X intake this year, yeah, and that he felt like it was the best, you know, he had performed or felt throughout the course of the relay. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, George, do you guys use the Slayer X diesel? Uh, do you use it the same?
0: No, or- I see. I don't. I don't use diesel. You don't use diesel, do you? Yeah. So, okay. so diesel, diesel has more calories in it. I use just sort of the, the, the regular Slay regular SlayRx drink. He used the it. diesel that actually has more calories in it. Um, but yeah, he had said, um, he actually wrote on Instagram quote, uh, I had crazy cramping and couldn't keep up with hydration in the 2020 version of the race. We still make fun of him about that, by the way, um, <laughs> this year R X to the rescue. I had 20 ounces of diesel plus after each of my seven legs and carried another 16 ounces of diesel plus during the two hardest legs. I've not felt better in my nine years of this race. I'm a believer. So, yeah,
1: I'll say that when I saw Lee post this, um, I don't associate Mm -hmm. diesel with, with running and ultra running. I Mm -hmm. associate it more with what people carry on a bike. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm like very, very curious to kind of dive into that a little bit more, but, um, for the sake of time, can you guys each give like a five to seven minute personal recap, best, worst, (laughs) most memorable moment? uh, of when you were actually running. So Eric's stepping in the mud puddle doesn't count.
0: (laughs) He was running to say hello to us at the man.
1: I mean, (laughs) from the start of the race to the finish of the race, George. All
0: right. So, so we want to go highlights first, like best parts first.
1: Yeah, sure. All
0: All right. So best part for me. Um, uh, and this is setting aside like all the, the fellowship that I have with my good friends. Um, and, and to Eric's point, like we text each other so much and everything and everybody else looks forward to this race as much as we do. And so like, you finally get together and it's like, it's here, it's here, it's here. You know, it's, it's like, you know, the, the sort of excitement you ever on like a wedding day or something, but anyway, um, my favorite actually, besides all that, of, of actually running the race, um, was on stage 18, um, which was the one, two, three, fourth time I ran. Um, and I had been feeling pretty good throughout. Um, uh, but, That stage starts off kind of flat to rolling. And then right around the two to two and a half mile mark, you do a two mile long uphill. Um, And so it averages about 5% for two and a half miles or over two miles. And then you crest that hill and you go down the other side of the hill for just short of a mile into the exchange zone. And so we're running up the hill, running up the hill, running up the hill. Um, And I was catching a few other teams and I caught a couple of teams right at the top of the hill. Um, And right as I was passing this guy, just at the crest of the hill, just as going over the top. I went, all right, man, over the top. And he goes, yeah, let's fucking go. Um, And that like just flipped a switch for me. Um, And I took off like a shot and I ran actually the next 800 meters and granted it was down a 5% grade. I ran the next 800 meters was the fastest 800 meters I've run in 2022. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, and and there was only about like I said like like maybe uh, 1300 1400 meters left in in that leg but but i just kind of poured it on for the remainder of that leg all the way into the finish um and and and, and ended up uh, running really kind of fast i finished that one really really on fire and, and jazzed about how i was feeling and how the race was going and everything else like that so so yeah that that was definitely like a highlight so much so that i've actually considered naming my 2022 playlist let's fucking go um, it's, uh, it's currently called get your soldiers. Um, but, uh, I, I think maybe let's fucking go would be a little bit too trite. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that was my highlight of the race. Um, what's yours,
2: Eric? So I, I always work in threes. So I, I had three highlights. I think the, the first one was I've never run grandfather mountain mm. and I've always, I've always been there at the exchange zone, obviously. And I've watched somebody else go run grandfather mountain, and um usually we usually get there in the dark and it's a it's a climb it's a 10 and a half mile climb from start to finish you're climbing (laughs) there's a couple sections that are a little bit maybe flattish um it's not on the parkway it's on roads that go uh, kind of parallel to the parkway and then right i think in the last mile or two you go under the parkway and then you finish up at the top but uh it was just cool to kind of get into a a nice rhythm of climbing i i spent a lot of time by myself on that stage and it's dark Uh, i don't wear a headlamp if i don't have to and there was enough starlight and sunlight out that i didn't have to wear a headlamp and i just kind of was able to just focus on what i was doing and I, i made a big point of this race to actually like get my head up and look around and see like the scenery we were in after talking to ken i said you know the blue ridge relay is about like showcasing the blue ridge Mountains. And even in the dark, you're running along and, oh wait, I hear a waterfall. And like, you can kind of look over and you can see this waterfall and the moon shining off of it. Um, So I really, I I enjoyed that leg. Um, George can attest to the fact that when that leg was done, it didn't look like I had enjoyed that leg. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
2: And that was because I, I was counting the miles. I thought I was at 10 miles and I looked down at my watch and I swear it said nine. And I just didn't have another mile and a half of effort left in me, um, and I, but I actually was at ten miles, and I I realized that about a, a quarter mile after that. So, but that from a from a leg standpoint, I would say that was one of my favorite points in the race, most memorable. Um, I will point out that uh, not throwing up was very memorable to me, and that was kind of like over the entire course of the event because <laughs> that was a big goal of mine also. Um, but then I'd say, um, leg 31, this was my mountain goat leg. It's the leg that I was, you know, really concerned about. It's a leg that everybody was concerned about. In fact, Brett asked me multiple times before the race, Hey, are you sure you want to do this set of legs? And he, he admitted in the afterwards that he was saying, please say no, please say no, please say no. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, cause he was willing to take on the leg, but he didn't want to, but, um, I was in a bad I was in pretty bad shape and um the guys kind of talked me through it. So said, let's hey. let me, I'm gonna i am gonna
0: interject here and say why you're in bad shape because yeah. because because you did that 10 and a half mile grandfather mountain leg and like you said it was it was good and it was memorable and went all right there but then on the tail end of that only less than two hours later you had to turn around and do leg 21. Um Which is an eight mile, a devastatingly hard eight mile leg. Um and that combination cooked you the same way that it cooked me in 2019. Um and so 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 it was it was that sort of one two punch, um, which I think is just profoundly difficult. Um, that uh that had you suddenly in a bad way by the time that you got to 31. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. 16 is grandfather mountain, it's a thousand feet of climbing, and all you do is climb and then 21 is actually a thousand feet of climbing and a thousand feet of descent and they're both steep. So it's, it's, and that's only an eight miles, whereas 16 is 10 and a half miles with a thousand feet of climbing. So it's, it's a pretty, it is a pretty big one, two punch. And that, that did pretty much destroy me. And so we had some conversations and we decided, Hey, just go as slow as you need to go get up the mountain. So why 31 was memorable was I had a plan, you know, it's like George said, you got to have a plan. Cause if you don't have a plan, you don't have anything to deviate from. So my plan was run the first two miles of 31 and then just power hike up the mountain. And I said, because that's the only way I'm going to survive. But what happened was after the first mile of power hiking, I, ran, I, I I power hiked like a 1330 mile. I got in my head that I could negative split the mountain. I said, I, I, can, I can do better each mile. And right when I made that decision, it was really cool. There was a guy with an, F, an F3 guy, had this little tent on the side of the road, and he was giving out water Gatorade, and I think you had beer too, which was funny to me. but <laughs> uh, I grabbed two water you wanted. And then <laughs> yeah, no, no, I wanted water. And I looked around the corner, though, and you guys had stopped on the side of the road. And it was, a, it was one of those like, woo, I'm ready to go again." And I actually started running. And Brian, you know, Brian calls out, out of the van,
1: who the fuck is that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and from then on, I simply added more and more running. And you guys saw me, I think two more times before I got to the top. And by the time I got to the top, I was running again, you know, I was running and it was like a total Forrest Gump moment where I just, the, it worked, you know, the, the backing off, slowing down letting yourself recover letting your body catch up actually worked. so from a from a truly like memorable standpoint i that is etched in my brain um and it wasn't fast if you go look at my strawberry you'll see those miles were not fast but it's a 1400 foot elevation change from bottom to top it's only 6.6 miles and most of that elevation changes over four miles so you can imagine the the grade that is and I was just—I was so happy to be able to run to the finish, you know. Awesome. And I—I mean, I, I really appreciate Michelle your your response by a text as George takes a picture of me, looking like I'm about to puke on the ground. <laughs> your, your immediate response is, "Help him!" Well, to be
1: fair, I got a text from George at 2 a.m. that was said something like, "Listen, man, Eric's hurting so." Don't be snarky
2: or anything. <laughs> yeah, stop giving him shit
1: is what he said. <laughs> so I felt bad.
0: <laughs> um, and my response to that, by the way, to, to, to your text, Michelle, was I've I'm already offered to run leg. 36 for him. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, I'm going to run his last leg for him. I think I'm helping him out plenty. Um, but but Eric, so to to that point, talking about 31 there, I, I, I have two things I want to say, a, a comment and a question. The comment is that this is the first time that you've done leg 31 since the first year that we did the Blue Ridge Relay 2018. Um, and I took the handoff from you in 2018 and I did leg 32, um, today, this year, I was not taking the handoff from you. I was just there, you know, taking pictures and making fun of you. Um, I wasn't making fun of you. I was just taking pictures <laughs> yes, you and, and encouraging you along the way. I wasn't making fun of you. No, y- you all did me the favor, uh, over the course of the two times that I've run 31 of not making fun of me, giving me a hard time while running 31. And so I would always repay that favor to, uh, to make sure that when you're in the pain cave on stage 31, the queen stage of the blue ridge relay i would never give somebody a hard time during the actual stage um but anyway um you looked better at the top of 31 in 2022 than you did at the top of 21 in 2018 um and and i know that you had um more stress and you were feeling worse going into it in 2022 than you were in 2018. Um, But the plan you executed for the stage and then ultimately the way that you survived it this year um, was far better than than how you looked four years ago. Um, And so kudos on that, man. Um, And then my question, um, and this is along the same lines, is that you had said that your goal um, was to try and uh, be proud of what you did on 31. Uh, would you say you accomplished
2: that goal? So I had, I had three goals, stay hydrated, don't walk and be proud of what I did on 31. Um, I would say, you know, we, we talk about this, like you, you have a certain condition and then there are condition external conditions that you have to deal with. And you just have to have a plan and then adjust your plan to, you know, those conditions. And I think, um, this year I had a plan. I didn't like it, but I had a plan for going into 31. It was run to the base power walk and maybe run, but that was the plan, right? Actually it was, it was run to the base and power walk. And then I changed the plan as I felt better as the conditions improved. Um, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm proud of the effort because I think I gave everything I had. There was nothing left in the tank when I got to the top. I was proud of the fact that, I didn't blow up like in 2018 I just blew up. The the there the either the plan really sucked cuz I can't remember really what my plan was or I didn't have a plan and I was just reacting to the moment. Right. And I I think that was that was awful. And I think if you took a picture of me finishing 31 this year versus looking back at the pictures of 2018, I mean those are the pictures I look back at and say I never want to be in that condition again. Yeah. So, yeah, I was I was I was proud of the fact that I got through it and that I didn't leave anything on the course. Very good. Um, or I left it all on the course. Sorry, I said that wrong.
1: George, what was like a, a worst moment for you?
0: Um, the worst moment for me was the first nighttime leg that I had to run. My headlamp really wasn't working at all. Um, oh, and wow. I was annoyed because I thought that I had to like plug it in and charge it. And, and I had forgotten to plug it in and charge it. And I didn't bring a charger and all that sort of thing. Um, and when I actually ran into the exchange zone, I'm literally running past Lee, who's supposed to be alerting to everybody that I'm coming in. And he goes, your light's not working very well. Like You're with thi-
1: five engineers. You So, so working thinking,
0: out. thinking that, that, that <laughs> I was somebody else, he goes, you need to get a new light. Um, and then he's like he's like oh wait that's George and he starts blowing the boo to let them know that I was there right um, and yeah so that that whole time like my light situation was just throwing me off and it was annoying me and it was helping not at all and so I was like having to run right up to the signs uh, on the course and see where they <laughs> pointed and then and then follow those turns and stuff and so that was not can great. I quickly address why this is so funny to me well let me finish the story <laughs> um, and so so of course I say to Eric um eric this is the light that you told me to buy prior to doing the ragnar Trail relay last spring um i said you know that it's, it's it's out of charge here do you happen to have a charger and he goes it takes batteries, batteries. <laughs> um and i was like it takes batteries i said do you have any batteries he's like yeah and i said i said all right looking at it here i can't quite he's like just take it just let me take it um and so he took it from me and he changed the batteries and that is a good light when it has yes. good batteries in it's, it
1: hold on yeah. isn't it three AAA batteries eric his
0: it's three has? AAA batteries yeah yes. no and so 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 that that was my worst moment was trying to run with that awful light but it was something that that was rectified by my friend and mechanical engineer uh eric hall uh when he replaced those three AAA batteries yeah. so they- thanks for that dude Deep
1: use of uh, the mechanical engineering. Degree
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Assessing the problem, solving the problem. That's right. Um,
1: so Eric, besides the picture that George took of you and sent at the top of 31 when you were suffering and he wasn't making fun of you, uh, what was the worst moment for you? <laughs>
2: um, it was like 21. Uh, like 21 has four Hills and then a fifth and the fifth is three times as long as the other four. And this is the one where I got really worried. Um, I was I had my headlamp in my hand. I never used my headlamp, but I had my headlamp in my hand and I had it on. And I was running along, running, uh, and I was looking down at the white line to keep on the road. That's all I could do. And that's where things started really like getting ugly in my brain and all that. So you started getting scared. Yeah. I, I was worried because I had almost got run off the road a couple of times. And I thought at that moment, if a car comes, I'm going to go into this ditch or I'm going to get hit by the car. Like it, it really started, it got in my head. Uh, luckily, there weren't many or any cars that I, at least that I remember coming off of 21. But that's where I had the conversation with George and Brett and said, it, it could become unsafe. Like so that is that the worst.
1: when you say could become unsafe? Is that where you kind of just felt the the last few weeks of illness and the drastic weight loss and everything just kind of taking its toll? Or
2: yeah, I actually had one guy in the course say, "Wow, you lost you lost 16 pounds. That's awesome. Like that's really going to help you out while you're out here."
1: It's probably <laughs> not actually. That's
2: it's not right. actually true. Yeah, um, what that's what not true at all. No, I think yeah, I think it was the culmination of all of that because I I, I did you know I I. I did come in with a plan. I was executing the plan up through uh, grandfather mountain, but when I hit 21, everything just sort of, yeah, I think it just all piled up on me at that point. And I think it was, it was, it was a general weariness. Like I, I like I, I it wasn't that my muscles hurt or that I didn't feel like I could like run. I could get two miles. Every time we stopped, I knew like the first two miles were going to be good. It wasn't, I couldn't run it was i could not keep going because i just didn't have the energy reserves and my brain it started getting in my brain and i guess my brain started getting tired and started thinking all these you know crazy thoughts but when you're out there in the middle of the night and you you aren't around other runners you know some of those people drive by like you know crazy and you're yeah. in the middle of these mountain roads where they don't expect to see you around the turn so as you're coming up to a turn people like stick their arm out you know, if you're on the inside of the turn, if you're on the outside of the turn, you just like pray, you know. So, sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, to, to add insult to injury, Eric finished that leg, and the following leg that Brian ran was only 2.7 miles long. That is so, so
1: unfair.
0: And so, so Eric finished that leg, and we had to immediately throw him into the car. Like he didn't have any time to gather himself or anything. Right. And get me to the next exchange zone so that I could warm up and be ready to take that that. Uh, exchange or take the 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 flip bracelet the slap bracelet from Brian only about 15 minutes later um okay. and so so yeah as as if as if it wasn't bad enough to be feeling that way um he then we were we had to be like eric
2: we got to go dude we got to go um, yeah and that's a point george brought this up to me late and you know we had this conversation he said well you have to keep in mind that you're not getting the rest that everybody else is getting because my set had longer legs in the beginning of the race and it's funny you know george ran about 42 miles i ran about 41 miles george's time on feet was like running the racing was like four and a half four four twenty mine was six hours six six fifteen and then my average rest between legs was only two hours and 34 minutes so i didn't realize this but i was getting cycled (laughs)
1: <laughs> so will you guys use that information in order to redistribute who runs which legs next year?
2: I don't think we would. Yeah. But I think more, it's like plan for that. Yeah. Sure. Realize okay. that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't think about that because actually I think George's leg was short after that leg too. So it was like double cycling. Sure. So. Yeah. You, um, you, you didn't really get a rest. So
0: you did 16 and then in short order, you did 21 and then in short order you did, uh 26 and it wasn't until after 26 that that yeah. uh Brian had a 9 mile leg I had an 8 mile leg that you actually started getting some real rest
2: after that. Um, yeah, I got about so, 45 minutes of sleep. I I got I dried off, I warmed up, you know. Yeah. That was yeah. that was key. Right. Right. Um, for sure. I ate a ton.
1: So Mentioned before, George, you you did help Eric out when I told you to help him. You offered to take leg thirty six <laughs> for him, which was yeah. the final leg, right?
0: I did, yeah. So I, and, I got I I got to run the final leg of the race, which was cool and which was different this year. It was new for this year. Which and, was uh, the plan? He didn't he didn't offer up Michelle. That was the plan. That for was the weeks. plan after you got COVID. That was I, didn't actually, yeah. I didn't that was actually I didn't actually know that
1: it was it was first relayed to me as like oh I'm doing I'm sacrificing myself to take the last leg for Eric. But then like, later <laughs> no, George no. said he did admit that it that it was a plan. Um that, so that, how did that you guys had been Sarah? the that had been
0: the plan after he had COVID. Yeah. yeah we were like okay let's just have 31 be his final leg and to oh. say nothing of the the stomach virus or the food poison he got two weeks after that.
1: So I know you guys go for fun, but you're all competitive. Um, so how did like Georgia Tech Milk and Cookie Boys do overall in the Blue Ridge Relay?
0: We were, we were 19th overall, um, and we were the first Ultra Masters team, which, as someone said in a, my bike workout this morning, doesn't mean that we're like really old. Um, <laughs> it means that we are, we're, we're a team of six or less, um, all of whom are over right, the age of Right, and you're running
1: the ultra um, distance.
0: Right. So are so, you so, guys yeah. happy with that?
1: Are, so, you, are you happy to win that?
0: You know, I, yeah, I was. I thought it was cool. Um, yeah. and, and to me, um, uh, it's always all about and Eric had said this actually during our preview. It's always all about trying to, to maximize what we can do, given the various obstacles we face coming into the race, e- sure. either in the months ahead or in the weeks ahead or literally the day of. Um, and so I think a couple of us didn't quite run as well as we had hoped. I would say Eric was probably one of those people. Um, but I think that, that all of us ran um, the best that we could on that day. Um, and so, well, exactly. so, so I, I was definitely happy about it. It was also, um, it was of the five years that we've done it, um, it was the fastest average pace that we've ever had. Um, that's awesome. and so, so I think, and I think that's actually a pretty good metric given that, that the course changes and things like that, um, sure. to look at the average pace that when you put every single one of us all together, um, we had the fastest
2: of the five years. Um, and so that's, I think that's every we're proud of. Well, I think, think that's Eric? really, well, I think that's key. So like place is place, right? You don't know who shows up each, each year, but there is a, you, you need to have some sort of metric you can hinge on. And I think constant improvement is what we're looking for. And I would say, you know, like this year, Brett, George, Lee, and Brian all ran. George, you can assess this for yourself. I'll say Brett, Lee, and Brian all ran their best Blue Ridge relays. Literally their best Blue Ridge relays. Brett and Lee, especially. Um, Brian, we always knew he had this capacity. He just had to put the work in and he and prepped him for that Ironman man and everything that he's done. He's gotten back to where almost back to where he can be. I think he still has potential to do better. And I think he, he would agree with that, but they made up for, you know, you say that that average time, right. Is lower than the previous year. The four of them actually made up for my average time going up by over a minute per mile. So yeah. if you want to like gauge, us as a team and where we could have been, you know, if you do some very simple math and you say, well, if Eric hadn't gotten sick, maybe he could have run eight minute miles. Um, we would have been, I think second ultra team instead of fifth, is that right? The only, the like two that. teams that beat us, beat us by like, two teams beat us by like eight or nine minutes. Hmm. So if you if you think along those lines, all right, going with like, are we getting better? Yes. Are we figuring out the processes? Yes. Uh, are we maximizing ourselves? Yes. You know, we just had, you know, this year was just tough, but we still did better than the previous years on that average uh, pace per mile. Yeah. I think that says a lot.
1: Yeah. I and agree. it gives you uh, something to take forward as sort of a baseline for your goals for next year. Um, I, agree. Yeah.
0: I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I had the best blue Ridge relay I've ever had in five years. This was my best personal performance. Um, and such that like, even though next year it's two weeks before the Berlin Marathon, and so next year um, presumably I should be in similar fitness that I am right now. Um, I'm not going to set my expectations next year to actually get better than I did this year because <laughs> I, I am really really happy with how it went this year. <laughs> um, I think Lee uh, would say so, the
2: same. I, I you know, yeah. I trained Lee and I watched him coming into this, and I kept telling him. Lee, you are ready. You are ready. You are ready. And he, he said, after the race, he said, I thought you were just saying nice things. Cause you never like deflate your athlete right before, you know, the race. And I said, no, it was true. You were nailing the workouts and it showed, and he would say the same thing. I don't think Brian can disagree that he's done better than his past two years. And I, I, I say Brett, Brett the same way. I think we all did better in prepping and execution than ever before. So awesome.
1: Awesome. Um, I have one more question. So did you guys see Ken at the start or the saw finish him at, the start. Did you see him at all? We saw he him
0: at the start. We did. Did he look yes. tired? <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. <laughs> he looked even more tired. Um, and, and, and in fact, I told him what we had said on the podcast that, that, uh, oh, no. he looked excited, but tired. And he said, <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Um, he said, you yeah, know, I've, I've been super tired this whole time, but he said, you know, last night I was sleeping in the U-Haul because evidently they literally sleep in the truck on the starting okay. line. line. Um, yeah prior to the start of the race. Um, and he said, and I looked up at the stars and it was just so pretty. And I was like, you know, this is why we do this. I'm super excited about the start of the race to, to, to share this with everybody else. So, so yeah, he was That's even awesome. more tired and even more excited when we saw him. Um, and to form, we're sitting there talking to him and he got a text or an email or a phone call and he had to excuse himself. And that was the end of our conversation. So got it. Well,
1: at least you got to say hi.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Until next year then. Michelle looks like you're going to get a little bit of a break. Maybe <laughs> I
1: consider it like gently closing the door. It's like the doors. There's always, it's always like a crack because it's going to come up at least once per episode. But I think we're like, we're really, really blue Ridge relay inundated the last few weeks. So uh, I'm glad it was uh, an overall success for you guys.
2: Absolutely. absolutely. Sorry it was
1: a tough few, uh few runs, Eric. <laughs> That's all right.
2: it was, it, it was, It wasn't like I hated the time. I actually enjoyed the event. I even enjoyed the running. It just wasn't the running I wanted to do. You'll be back. You'll be back.
0: Eric, always good to see you on Zoom. Not as good as it is to see you in person as I did this past weekend, but always good to see you on Zoom and appreciate you being on the podcast. Same.
2: That was probably the best. That was, yeah, that was a ton of fun. (laughs) A ton of fun. So enjoyed the podcast too. Thank you Uh, for, uh, for the interview, Michelle. All
1: right. Have
2: a good afternoon, guys. You too.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most mostpleasantexhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com on Twitter at ITL Coaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash ITL Coaching Performance, and on Instagram, ITO Coaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, BluePineappleTravel.com. Facebook.com slash Blue Pineapple Travel, and on Instagram, Blue Pineapple Travel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's SlayRX.com. Facebook.com slash Here4SlayRx, that's the number 4, SlayRx. Twitter, at OfficialSlayRx. And Instagram, Here4SlayRx, the number 4, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Olinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.